Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. So, uh, it's, it's Christmas in the Horror Vanguard crypt. It's ghoul-tide seasons. It, it is cryptmas, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I am, I am, uh, seasonally appropriate pun name, Ashley Darrow, one of your co-ghosts, joined as always by, uh, the one, the only, uh, the Christmas crit guy, aka John, how's it going? The lit Christmas guy? There we go. Lit Christmas guy. <laughs> I in yeah, a sense I'm good. I'm I'm very good. I'm very happy to be here. I sense I sense a I sense an equally seasonally appropriate spirit with us today. Father Christmas himself, the victor of the war on Christmas, whose whose iron hand won a just victory for the people and the working elves at Santa's workshop. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Kern, how's it going? Yeah, as, uh, also known as a uh, Cord Overstreet is my uh, is my uh, <laughs> my IMDb name. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm full of Christmas cheer. Um, we we are so we are so delighted to have the leader of the uh, Elves Local 306 <laughs> organizing committee with us. Yeah, well, I mean, what can I say? Self determination for the working class, including. Um, uh, the weird uh, slaves that uh, Santa likes to keep. Um, some we just got to cha- we got to change that. You know, there's a lot there's a lot about Christmas, but the slavery is something I think we should probably get rid of. Um, but you oh, know, it, I'm a reformist. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm- this is this is a total liberation project, baby. We got to get those reindeers off the sleigh. We got to get Mrs. Claus out of the kitchen. Like these people deserve self determination. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They need and they, the whole the island of misfit own- toys. They need to run an inn, all of them. They need to run their own inn. The people's <laughs> inn. Um, <laughs> everyone gets a vacation. Everyone gets holiday cheer. Everyone gets to go skiing if they want to. Please wear a helmet. I, yeah, I can't believe what we're saying is that, you know, the the luxury space communists <laughs> were right all along. <laughs> full, full, full luxury ski lodge <laughs> communism. Fully automated luxury Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, finally a yeah. falk I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, I hate to hand oh, it to him too, but you know, eh, there, there, there's an idea here. I mean, no. okay, fully fully automated luxury Christmas. That's that's the episode. I don't know yeah. how we top that. <laughs> Oh, but we're going to try, because today we're uh, talking about Falling for Christmas. And no, not that Falling for Christmas. We're talking about Lindsay Lohan's 2022 Falling for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So this is is technically a rom-communism episode. So I guess we're not in the HV Crypt today. We're in the uh, rom-communism Sibis pool suites of love. And... And my, my, my favorite part, my favorite part is when those those dulcet tones come over the intercom and the mood lighting kicks in and, uh, you know, John, the lit Christmas guy tells us what Lindsay Lohan's falling for Christmas is really all about. Friends, comrades, lovers, <laughs> and, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding on the hillside keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Why were they afraid? The biblical angel is a terrifying figure, a non-Euclidean nightmare, a tear in the fabric of reality. Is not love something similar? Love is so often made into a universalized category, something vague and undefined, a kind of pleasant background hum. But what does it mean when an angel appears to you? They saw the angel and they were sore afraid. In, te- in, in Tony Kushner's gay fantasia, Angels in America, love is what splits us open from throat to belly and remakes us in a bloody and terrifying act of recreation. When we love, we do so in the knowledge that we've been made anew. To love is to die to self. The person that you were before might become a distant memory. We look back at ourselves and see strangers. And if we're lucky, we get to view that stranger with compassion. And you fall in love, hoping that the fall will have a landing that will not kill you. Christmas, in a way, is a natural time for both love and horror. Think of Jimmy Stewart in Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life, driven to self-annihilation before realizing a fundamentally shared and social being. Stand before the object of all you love and know that if they die, you'll die too. All of our gifts seem so insubstantial in the face of love's terrifying sublimity. How can a gift, how can a present adequately express all that we feel but how could it be anything other than a gift something that exists above and beyond the realm of capitalist exchange i am as i think we all are so afraid when it comes to the mortifying ordeal of being known but it is a good tiding of great joy which shall be to all people look up at the hills And where once shepherds saw the glory of the Lord shining around them, the hills are lit up by ski lodges now, and the shepherds' common land enclosed by capitalist owners who sell back a universalized vision of hospitality at the very best price. Put your hand on the cold snow. Feel the breath in your lungs. The snow covers something now, a radical memory of good news and great terror. Join us as we discuss Falling for Christmas. Oh, fuck yeah. That was that was without flaw. Hell I mean, yes. I mean, like, you know, the king will say to those on his right, come, <laughs> you ye who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I required clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Is this not the spirit of Christmas? You fucking son of a bitch like i are like it, i mean you know like this there's so much like like maybe I, I i'm 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 locked in with my jokes for the holiday cheer but like john there's there's 
there's no there's nothing more like meaningful than to be you know than the incomplete an incompleteness of being alive uh being being sort of like for, forced into you know a shared territory by love as an act of you know affir- affirming my own you know i talk about it a lot in a lot of places like it, it but this like uh, affirming my insignificance um in this sort of like in the spirit of you know sharing the things that often feel you know difficult and in unutterable um that you know there's this sort of persistence of the anxiety of love the fear of rejection the you know the um you know the 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 risk of condemnation even um in all kind and you know when we're exploring different types of love that people aren't okay with and it's this mixed bag but at the at the end of the day it's this it's it's potency is something that sh- no one should ever forget and like this like we're, all of our like the real we can, we can have we can have fun now that we're getting the serious stuff over with there's you know the, the <laughs> there's there's nothing more important <laughs> to remember about the christmas season than the fact that it was made by people um that christmas is social it's something that has changed a lot it's something that wasn't celebrated at all in the way that we celebrate it um, more than, you know, 100 years ago. And then you basically completely invented another 100 years before that. And motherfucker, like, if that doesn't mean that, like, Christmas should, can and should belong to the people, um, then I don't know, like, you know, like, we're going to work like, like, it's partisan Christmas. We need we need partisan Christmas for yeah. working class yeah. people. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Well done. Okay. Well done. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where should we begin? The plot of I Know Who Killed Me Too. Well, we should talk about I Know Who Killed Me first. Yes! We should talk about I Know Who yes! Killed Me, I think. We, we, need, we really need to foreground the fact that on, on so many vitally important levels, this is truly a sequel to I Know Who Killed Me. Yeah. And Kyle, Kyle as, our, as our resident Lohan expert, uh, maybe, maybe this is a good place for you to kind of like join, join the dots. How did we get from there to here? Yeah. Well, I mean, it all began several years ago <laughs> when <laughs> a- a- Ashley Darrow and I were communicating via Twitter direct message about the potential for a horror Vanguard, an episode of the horror Vanguard podcast featuring me as a guest, which is something that hadn't happened yet. Um, I was very excited about this. I was a fan of the podcast. And, you know, like, you know, I, I, I knew I needed to bring my A game, so to speak. And there was a few ideas that we had thrown around or whatever, but um, basically it all kind of zeroed down to, I think, I think there's a movie that we need to talk about. And it's, it's called I Know Who Killed Me, starring one Lindsay Lohan. Um, uh, it's a... Uh, and well, I, you know, it, it, if you know, dear reader, I would hope uh, you would you would understand by now that out of all the normal suggestions that I made, um, Ash responded and said, "Oh no, we're doing the Lindsay Lohan movie." <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'll never forget. Oh no, we're doing the we're doing the Lindsay Lohan body switching torture porn movie. Um, so yeah, yeah, I know who killed me it was released in what two thousand seven. Um, uh, and it is basically, long story short, a 
um, stigmata body switching movie kind of in the style of like hostile and saw in some places and in all the rest of the places just like 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 it like if it like if a Turkish studio tried to make a David Lynch movie <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which I would I would watch all of that by the way I watch that from the beginning to the end yeah like a, like an Indonesian David Lynch rip off <laughs> or something really awesome something you know <laughs> uh, but it's basically a movie about a young woman who is like kidnapped and tortured by a serial killer um, and it turns out that actually. She is has an identical twin um, that she experiences body switching, like a body switching phenomena with. There's also shared stigmata. Um, there's too many elements to talk about. I, I would just recommend you go back and listen to the episode of the Horror Vanguard podcast about I Know Who Killed Me. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a movie about like what it means to interact with the social world. Um, and to be so it's a movie about what it means to be socialized what does it mean to be insane like what does it mean to have an experience that people that the social world can't confirm what does it mean to what does criminality mean um in the context of like honestly serial murder like like how how do we still explore instances of the the categorizations of criminal and insane um within the context of um epiphenomena um or you know or almost like transcendent phenomena um which like i think body switching being the the sort of like the the transcendent phenomenological experience of the body switch is i think is the is the best summer and how that how we're socialized via sort of those phenomena as well as literally just like you know it's a there's a there's an upstairs downstairs element of the sort of of the, there's a class element in the twins as well. One who is a stripper um, and a sex worker, and the other who is like an aspiring pianist and you know writer or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I know who killed me is the prequel to this movie because falling for Christmas is like I mean you know I I know we're, I know we're yucking it up here, but like falling for Christmas is about. Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan plays a character who loses her identity, gains a new name, and is forced to re-socialize in a different part of the world, uh, or like a different place, a different place in the world. Um, it's about the, you know, the ability to separate oneself from social institutions and like the the, the capacity for self determination in the social world when you're given some means by which you're able to forget yourself in the case of both of these movies it's a very scientific understanding of amnesia um all of this is very accurate um and exactly how <laughs> exactly how amnesia 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah yes <laughs> but we can confirm that as an amnesia doctor, yeah as i, I mean yeah as this. amnesia doc these are medical documentaries <laughs> <laughs> falling for christmas is a medical doc i know who killed me is a medical documentary maybe funnier than that actually uh, but yeah what so it's all about forgetting who you are and other people not knowing who you are i know who killed me is basically the like 
it's like these these movies they're the, it's this it's kind of the same movie like i don't know i've talked enough what do you guys think it's honestly they're just kind of the same movie in a lot of ways ash what do you think i i, I mean outside of like like so i would be hard pressed to find significant and meaningful difference between these two movies outside of some light tonality things of course yeah you know like if the if I know who killed me is is like the lost highway of the Lindsay Lohan universe. Mm. Uh, Falling for Christmas is the soap opera playing on a TV in the background of the. Oh lost my god! Highway. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what about you, John? Um, I, I, these are functionally the same film, and show the ways in which our kind of relationship to the social is mediated entirely by a sense of kind of like. It's very vibes based, right? You could make you could yeah. make Falling mm-hmm. for Christmas into a horror film exceptionally easily, right? It, uh, oh yeah, and, and something that would fit in a very kind of classic horror tradition. And there is there is something about this idea of desubjectification as a means to falling in love, which has an element of uh, of kind of violent possession about it. Right, you don't know who you are anymore. So I can, I, I now, I, I as the external, you know, quote unquote, authority, the, the, the patriarch, get to inscribe upon the tab, tabula rasa of who I'm going to make you to be. I will literally give you a new name, uh, and you know, it's a great. If you want a model of how uh, functionally useless uh, instruments of law enforcement really are at preserving and maintaining the social <laughs> world. You know, this the, the police officer in this goes, uh, you don't know who you are and you don't remember this person? Yeah, you should probably leave with him. <laughs> like- mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just that, like, I know that's the necessary setup, read the scripting and plot of this movie, but just like, the wild disregard of like, eh, yeah, sure, go, go with this random man. Let let him literally keep you as a pet. Like, it's like it's honestly, what's so horrific about those particular elements is that it has this. It's almost it's almost like we got to get this right. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's December. Think- it's December 10th. It's December 10th. <laughs> Take all the time you need to give the gift that needs to be given this holiday season. Yeah, Do you no want all- to impress the woman you're with? Get her Kyle Kern discourse. <laughs> uh, pa- pa- discourse. Patreon.com slash Labor Kyle. <laughs> oh yeah, YouTube Labor Kyle, Twitter Labor Kyle, Agab the podcast. <laughs> Profane Illuminations, Labor Kyle and John. Go look all this stuff up. There's a, we need a link tree. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, there's like... There's this weird... I mean, like... Okay, so we bring up the I Know Who Killed Me, I think, in, in part because I, I, th- I think what's, what's so interesting about the film is that it does, like, to sort of recategorize it would be incredibly easy because it's so... Like, this is a movie that's, like, in general, okay, so, like, the Hallmark film, or, like, the Hallmark Christmas film, and the Christmas Inn film, and the Christmas Skiing film is this, like, sort of mixed bag of genre tropes that are, like, 
sort of are really, really brought out um, in full force and falling for Christmas uh, to the to you know, amnesia, different sides of a mountain. Right. Like the sort of social the social geography of on the one hand, this. Like they really, they really make got their money's worth out of those aerial drone shots oh, of that outdoor oh, hot yeah, tub. They did. I wanna... Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> um, there's like, I think what's what's in, what's important is the only way in this universe. Like, what was most horrific about this universe is wasn't just the sort of like law enforcement randomly handing a person to another person. Was that in the context of the universe, the only way to become like a whole person is to become is to completely forget who you are, and the only way to re-socialize yourself in any possible way is to do so by literally slamming your head into a tree. Uh, <laughs> And that the, the the second half of like I've been thinking a lot about uh, and for reasons that will hopefully become obvious when a video comes out. But I've been thinking a lot about sort of like the inability to speak the things that we want to um, and the the limit, the limiting of a speech state as not just a an, an exercise of anxiety um and, and not just like and not just the anxious idea of the un, unutterable um and you know to be a, at a loss for words to be tongue tied or whatever but to have these to to rely so heavily on the world around us to be able to say the things that we want to to the people that we love and how love is this like really complicated thing because as i was you know saying earlier after john's praise is this like you know there's always this risk in loving um, because we're so fundamentally incomplete. And so to expose ourselves is to expose ourselves in this like fractured, really vulnerable state. And if you don't have someone or a, like a group of people who are willing to care for you in that state, unfortunately, you'll probably be harmed and it will teach you to love less. Um, but at the same time, there's this, it, it's, it's, it's the same idea that like, so much of what Christmas is really all about is about, in my opinion, this idea that there's a there's a way to express love and solidarity with people who aren't here anymore, mm-hmm. um, and that that fundamentally and ultimately changes who I am, and that if I if I'm able to become a different person, then and as a matter of fact, I might be able to say the things that I feel so unable to say because I'm so sort of bound to. You know, like the world as as it is, who I am. That the the only way to actually like Christmas gives us an opportunity to become a different person is mostly what I take away from this film. Yes, the yes. idea that like there's so so much of life is in, to be alive is to be incomplete, and so much of life actually goes unsaid. So we have this way of becoming new through action. Like I think about Christmas, what I think about Christmas the most is like going to see family and like, you know, I don't know, not everyone has the relationship with their family that I do. Um, I feel very lucky, um, particularly for some of the stuff that we went through. But at the same time, it's not, it's, it's not to be limited to the family. If the family is the primary, you know, social category that we have, but it's to be only limited to memory um, that we, when people aren't here, like, like it's it's 
very valid the idea that Christmas is like kind of this fun but also extremely hard time of the year because you have a tendency to gather in groups that sh- like absence becomes very persistent and I just have one of those families that for some reason we just keep losing people around the holiday season so uh, you know the holidays are always bound up with these very sort of this sense of melancholy um that on the one hand can be very paralyzing um and can sort of like prevent us to we can we can thus sort of revert to the particular authorities that we need to and say just like please categorize this for me socially i can't mm-hmm. do this work it's too much like i can't incorporate this into my already incredibly socialized life everything is so social i don't know like and and, and grief becomes this sort of like thing that we wear um, around the holiday season rather than this thing that we act out. Um, Something that could be, I just think, so much more profound about the opportunity that the holiday season can bring for people is that I have a chance to go and do, I have a chance to go and cook for other people and to give things without expectations of things in return. Um, And the only way that I can do that is if I am you know, like this new person and that a community decides ultimately that, yes, you as a new person are worthy of love. Um, No one knows who the fuck you are. No one has any reason to actually give a shit about you because rather than being your rich person where your last name matches the hotel, now you're just some guy surrounded by a bunch of other just some guys. And what do we do with this chance? The chance that we have. Well, it it just so happens that you came here when we're all gathered to, you know, in a season of giving. Um, and what if this can be? What if this is the person that you are? Um, you know, the the main character of the film and falling for Christmas falls off of a mountain and forgets who she is. She forgets that she's this rich aristocratic, you know, powerful woman who is struggling in her place in the world still. Who, you know, has these people that she loves and, you know, she loves her father, but she's in a relationship with a gay man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll get to Tad. we'll get to Tad. We'll get to Tad. (laughs) Tad. Our boy Tad. Tad. And Ralph. Yes. (laughs) And Ralph. Well, God bless Ralph. Ralph did a lot of work. Ralph in his size 13 shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Big feet. Big, Big feet Ralph. You know what um, that means, Wink. <laughs> that was incredible. That was the sexual awakening <laughs> where a man is uh, uh, putting on snowshoes on another man. It's just very. It's just very uh, <laughs> you're so it's you're powerful. so strong. It's the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Like, that that really you, is you're completely right though, and I think what this underscores is the extent to which socialization is an ideologically mediated field of 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 existence. Right, this idea that like. The the thing that makes the Christmas movie so fascinating is is that it does it 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 disavows its own ideological commitments so explicitly that it can't help reifying them, right? So like Christmas is supposed to be this universal category, but you know this is this is uh, the, the obvious comparison. The obvious comparison is with It's a Wonderful Life because they even try and do the It's a Wonderful Life scene right at the end but this is a film that can't admit of the possibility of grief like there is no grief in this world because that's not what happens at christmas time mm-hmm. and this is why i'm so glad that you you said you said the phrase partisan christmas 
And I'm like, yes, this is that is the answer to this kind of like ideological veneer. You know, this this uh, you know, uh, Lohan's character exists in the state of fundamental existential alienation. Uh, and just shifts into a different mode of alienation that is more kind of palatable, palatably cat- capitalized, right? Oh, you don't work at the massive hotel chain anymore. Now you work at the super successful small business. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So... So naturally, you're both correct, and the real Christmas gift is uh, getting to hear the two of you talk about Lindsay Lohan movies. Uh, but I, I have I have something, it might be a hot take about this movie, I don't know. Uh, so uh, how many characters are in this film? And and we could start to, to rattle off Lohan and Tad and Ralph and Cord, cord or arpeggiated minor chord <laughs> underpass, whatever his name was. <laughs> Um, F minus seven but, over but my, hot is... <laughs> <laughs> my 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 take is is that there is only one character in this movie, and it's you, the viewer. There there are no other characters in this film. Everyone serves this like, like I was as I was watching this. There's this weird like, Jungian Lacanian by way of like Sasurian algebra thing going on here, where it's like. Everyone is like the, a fractured component of an otherwise complete subject, right? Like Lohan, Lohan is the self-sown shadow, but for a moment knocked unconscious by by your repressed homosexual desires, skiing you directly into a tree. And then, like you know, like, like what is what is the sheriff if 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 not the the internal fascist bungling around and and just ruining things over and over again inside the mind. Like there's, you're you're absolutely right about this lack of completion of the self, and like the fact that love is the thing that allows, kind of this these incomplete components that would form an otherwise larger whole. Whether we see that as kind of the self of the viewer exploring this kaleidoscopic space, or as community more broadly, I think like one, like what what is the classic Christmas message if not that? But two, I think that's also deeply instructive for our current moment. Like, do we do we approach these questions of incompleteness with with a love that kind of uh, with a love that is capable of embracing the jagged edges of that incompleteness? Or do we approach it with something that's attempting to sand down our incompleteness into these kind of like Euclidean pieces that much more easily fit? I think which way, Western man, absolutely. (laughs) You have two fucking paths. That's just true. You have two paths. Like, you can, on the one hand, like, Christmas is about permission. You have, you have, you have, Ooh, you, have like per- you have the permission to sort of reinforce existing order, or you have permission to be reactionary. You have, per- you have permission to, uh, like, internalize and, and qui- internalize and ultimately quiet, you know, you know, personal feelings for socialized ideas of celebration, and you have permission to declare love supreme. You have permission to be a different person, uh, someone who like you. And this this is why, like, despite the, it's exactly right. The like, you know, you're you're in this sort of like 
service of big business capital or you become you know conscripted in the small business army and even like even with all of that the 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 rule the rules of the christmas movie universe necessitate that its own criticism be constantly present throughout which are people who should not like who like <laughs> people who should not like it's 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 an almost alien level of affinity that people have with one another um it exists in actuality in the universe of the christmas movies because at their at its core is this just as you both were saying this you know amount of incompleteness that's only completed in the sort of recognition of another person um and that it's that it's not just about performing that but celebrating it it's marked on a calendar there's a season for it and like there's no there's, there's i think there's there's no better idea in my opinion than to confront the the particularity of these institutions and declare our own like way of doing things um and to say like this like christmas motherfucker christmas is social it always has been it feels like it's been this way all the time but nothing has been this way all the time it was made and it could be changed you know like i just i don't want the i don't want predetermined outcomes in the permissiveness of the holiday season rather find within that permission within that language it's a language right like that felt like very sort of like machinic what you're saying ash which i agree i think the film was like you know holiday films are like cars you know with frames and engines (laughs) and suspensions and like they serve a particular function and sometimes that function exists in the like the process of internal combustion right combustion but it's always in this like it can be captured in this image and then it, that image itself can has some action that it can take. Um, and its meaning comes from being encapsulated in those processes. Um, but then, you know, it's the thing that I always come back to. I'm just like, ah, the human hand. Like, like where, where, where is despite all of these mechanics um where's the human hand and it's and in the case of the sort of like the christmas film it's in this like it's in this idea of like loving as feeling um which isn't always right but like as i was saying earlier this like loving as risk taking and like it's a profound i guess i'm just trying to say this that buried within all of this nonsense is always these very profoundly like human ideas that i find motivating and interesting i don't know I think I think this is this is absolutely what we just said is just so moving, right? I've been thinking a lot lately about there's a band called The Illogical Spoon from Jackson, uh, and they have an album which this incredibly me album title here, but Experiment Number Four: The Great Wound and the Wild Joy Part A: Roar Again. <laughs> um, but but the line there's a line and there's like a it's like a ten minute song and there's a line in it that goes, "Behold, the Lord makes all things new. That sounds good. I want to do it too." And like the song is just about this kind of like revelatory potential that that's in every moment the fact that things seem so far gone but they're not yet gone and i think that even despite like building off of what you said despite the fact that for so many people christmas means arduous family experiences plasticine trees 
and having to budget out how many Legos you buy for people you never really speak to, there's still a potential in there for love, for community, for something far greater than what capitalism has done to the season. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's sort of like, if you think about the, the, the town in which this film takes place, it's like this kind of hermetically sealed environment. Right, if you if you drove out of town, you would just kind of like circle back around and end up exactly where you started, right? Because you can't. If you admit, if you admit of the uh, kind of potentialities of um, this sort of partisan Christmas, of this idea of of love as both the like terrifyingly specific and also universal revolutionary capacity, then there is there is an outside right then there is a kind of there is a there is a messianic power in it right there is an outside which can break inward and break open and it's like that doesn't exist here it can't like the closest the mm-hmm. closest the closest you get is like a character learns that maybe making a bed is a good idea like it's this is yeah. this is this is the reformism <laughs> of somebody like jordan peterson right <laughs> Right, she yes, learns. Yep. She she, bed, she learns yeah. how to make her bed. Right, that's what that's what that's what kind of uh, love truly is. It's this idea of like just being a better class of consumer. That is, that, I mean, like uh, the the Jordan Peterson point, I, I think, is so salient, right? Because this is this is like the classic Christmas rom com formulation, or one of the, one of them rather, right? Like the the upper society person is somehow knocked to something lower, but that something lower is never actually working class poverty it's always another respiring business that's just not quite as high on the ladder it's the it's the homespun christmas ornament company you know and and oh the big city lawyers come into town to shut them down but then through the magic of love they find a tax loophole that saves the company which is a plot of an actual movie and it's just it, it lays the ideology bare right and i think that this is this is what we have to read against and this is what we have to work with you know like we were pretty pretty deep in the holiday mire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The entire the entire kind of message is right. There is always a way out. There is always a kind of like breaking point. But that breaking point is is not in kind of like mass social action or in or in uh, extending outward the field. Like it's about you know it's all it's always the mega corporation versus the small businessman, right? And isn't it? And you go. That's the that that's the limit of the horizon of possibility that exists in the Christmas movie, right? And what that means is that at the end of the day, there is no change. There is no there is no chance to be to tr- you 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 may you may lose all of your memory. You may literally be thrown into a tree and forget who you are. But who are you ultimately is the same person, right? You get thrown out of yourself. But it's circular. It's it's you always come back to yourself. You know, oh, she didn't like working in the hotel. By the end of the film, she's reconciled to working in a hotel, right? In in which is now a profitable (laughs) business, right? There is no, there is no. uh, You try and reach this kind of escape velocity, but you kind of like ping off the surface of the 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 limit of the discourse that this film admits of, and you kind of crash back down into exactly where you were when you started. Yeah, it's like the it re- it really pains me when something being placed on a historic register is used for not is not isn't used for to its full potential. Um 
also, you know, you know I'm not gonna, I'm not going to interrogate the um, sort of municipal politics of falling for Christmas because I don't know if that would be, a, I don't know if that would be a great exercise. It sounds like a YouTube video that would get some hits, uh, but at the same time, the solution to like, yeah, historic historic importance should be utilized for good and has been before uh, to prevent mostly to prevent the big business from coming in and usually destroying the natural environment and stuff like that. But like, you know, Hey, a historical preservation for an old inn. I'm kind of into that sort of a thing. I live in a part of the country where there's a lot of that kind of shit around here. It's great. However, there's, you know, and I like, I, I'm, de- I'm definitely actually also not necessarily asking the Lindsay Lohan movie to do revolutionary communism, <laughs> but there's <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I come on, you know, I'm going to, okay, well, you know, that's fair. Um, there's, there's, what's, what's I think frustrating about the, you know, it's a wonderful life. Also like Rudy Jersey lying scene, but with checks um, is that there's like, you know, historical preservation is used as this like plot device that kind of comes in and, you know, like. And the, and the the inn itself, the inn is you know the inn itself is the commodified building. It doesn't matter if something was you know an old inn before or an old inn now. It's old. Why is it old and why is it there? But it doesn't work with like you know the whole. I mean the the, the uh, it's really really the Christmas movie is the is a snow globe. Yes, like, it's, it's the, the snow globe the snow globe plays such an important role. Not just as like a cultural object, but it's absolutely just represent representative of the admitted in universe, which is why it's similar to horror. It's a it's a it's a genre yes. that has the fucking balls to actually say, yeah, we do have in universe rules. This is a sandbox. This is a snow globe. This is like this is its own thing, and it is for it's for a very particular reason that it's its own thing, and it's interesting because it's its own thing or whatever. I don't know. That's an aside, but that's how I feel. So I, I think the, the situating this in a historical context, I think, is so important, right? Because like the the, the attempting to preserve the, the inn as as some kind of historical marker in the community is is central to the plot, and that's a common theme that shows up in a lot of these seasonal rom coms. And like it, what what I find so interesting that is is that it's it's always kind of a business that winds up being like, oh, this is what's historically important to the community is the continuity of this inn, right? This, this site of business, this place where kind of like wealthy enough people can go on little ski trips. And, 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 and in this movie, Falling for Christmas, they constantly hammer home to us that this isn't just a small time inn. This is, this is the place where the next like world-class Olympian level ski champions are going to hone their basic skills. You know, like this isn't just any old, you know, like countryside place to rest your head. Like this is this is the place where undiscovered ski talent gets found, and so like it, like they're they're going out of their way to just keep hammering home to us that this is this isn't just uh, you know lower level business. It's a pipeline to to upper class success, and like which which feeds into so many narratives about like how what the function of business in a capitalist economy. But what I, I think is just like so interesting about that is like it's it's never a site of a labor struggle in Butte, Montana. Right. It's, it's not it's not the Virginia Mine Wars Museum. 
it's not it's not the Alone people on the coast of California in the Bay Area fighting to stop a shell mound from being turned into a parking lot. You know, it's not it's not the sites of colonial history or the history of colonized peoples. Rather, it's not the site of working class history. It's always the site of like capitalism's history. Yeah, whose history gets to be preserved, right? And it's the same with Christmas. We don't talk about the elves. We don't talk about their history. Where did those elves come from? Shrug. Did the elves get sent there to build the World Cup stadium at the North Pole? How many elves died to build Santa's workshop? I oh, need God. answers. That would be a bloodbath if they put the World Cup at the at the North Pole. Um, How many Rudolphs would turn into mortar for that? <laughs> yeah. They're making sausage out of Ru- Rudolph now. <laughs> It's a blend. It's a blend. They blend it, and it's great. Not to, not to be the guy. This is the perfect. It's a Christmas podcast. It's the perfect time to talk about the taste of reindeer sauce. It's the best. It's the. So if you're ever in Alaska, it's a blend. It's a blend. So you know, you know, temper your expectations, but at the same time, man, that's good. I, I have. I- Sorry, I know I, I'm saying that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing epic baking content to my vegan friend, which is very rude, and I'm sorry. It's not. No, I just, it's not what I, I meant. I, I'm I'm in love with the implication that there are there there is a way to arrange a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer sausage that is that is not only palatable but seasonally appropriate. Yeah, particularly good is what I would say. The best sausage I've ever had was reindeer sausage. You better watch know. out. You better not cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so john do you have any do you have any recipes or culinary discourse for us well, i do i do have a question i do have a question um can we can we talk about those darn millennials and their social media oh yeah uh, i think we have to talk about the tad question in this film it's time it's time let's talk about our boy the one who actually the true hero the of one, christmas the one who actually does have a kind of a genuine arc Tad goes through some stuff, man. He he learns about himself. Yeah, while 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 uh, Sierra is busy learning how to make a bed and how to like cook food for humans, Tad Tad realizes the nature of love and what that means for him. So so Tad is Tad is the fiance. Tad is a um a a rich asshole. Um and the subjects of. Some of the most boomerish critique of social media I think I've ever seen in cinema. <laughs> like the kid, <laughs> kids. To, yeah, he's an influencer. Yeah, he's, he's trending on Instagram. He's 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 getting on. He's on. He's on those TikToks that the kids are doing nowadays. He's doing the TikTok dances as his fiance falls off the cliff and gets a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> what do we think about Tad? Well, Tad's like, you need like in the in the economy of this world, influencers were always sort of like looming on the edge, right? So he's necessary um, more than anything. The fact that it's also like being an influencer means that you're gay is really funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just like, like, what's the gayest thing someone could do? Post on Instagram. (laughs) And that's <laughs> and that was the closeted gay character, and I'm like yeah, that ta- rules. Take, I love, that's so take, homophobic. I love it. Taking your gay yeah. little pictures and putting and putting them on the internet. Oh dear. I, I love I love so how fun. even like yeah. 
That shit's it's, funny to me. Okay. It's, it's so wonderfully ridiculous, because, like, in the internal logic of Falling for Christmas, Tad is, is simultaneously so gay that he's he's terrified of ice fishing and walking in the snow and, like... Uh, all the all the oh, what would a, what what are those gays afraid of the outdoors like <laughs> but also like he he has like an, enough alpha male Chad energy to just hop on a snowmobile and be like yeah fuck it babe I know how the woods work I'm a man like it is it is he is the most wonderful sight of this kind of like homophobic frustration with like cishet male gender identity. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he, 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 he has to have it both ways because that's how that frustration works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's excess. It's all in mm-hmm. like, yep. it's not enough to be one kind of person. You have to be one kind of person who acts a different way, or you can be that kind of a person, but you can't, you got to talk a certain way mm-hmm. or you can, you're allowed to have those types of interests. But then when you're in, when you're with this group of people, you have to be this way. And when you, despite the fact that you share those interests when you're with it, or you share something, you know, important about yourself with a different group of people, if you're not that way, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't present via socialized expectations, again, the theme yep. of this movie and I know who killed me, which is still just like the low, low end cinematic universe. Um, which Mean Girls is in the universe, yeah. by the way. I think we've confirmed. Uh, 100%. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the explicit multiple Mean Girls references, dressing in pink, and then going into in post production and really dialing that magenta um, mm-hmm. filter up. The song, um, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they should literally a direct Mean Girls reference, wearing pink, singing, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, well, like you know, it's, but like I think, but but it's. I think the Tad character, the Tad character really does go through some some shit, you know, finding a random like, you know, you know, I oh, I, 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 I want that for everyone to be so Find sort of Ralph. like lost, yeah, lost and confused in like trying to, you know, perform a particular identity and like it wouldn't surprise me that in the 21st century someone could come out acting that sort of like a like a like a like a like a homophobic caricature while also still being in the closet because I, I I mean I know it's been you know 15 years or whatever but I knew that guy the one that everyone's like yeah you're 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 very straight we're gonna give you plenty of time to figure it out um some who ended up actually just being straight guys and some who weren't which is what's mm-hmm. so interesting there's no like and then with when presented with the opportunity to find something new about himself tad unlike everyone else needed to get brain injury to do what tad did <laughs> and <laughs> tad without a tbi who just gone through some shit you know being stuck outside in the cold when he's not used to used to it or whatever plus with uh un like with, with, with uh, kindness from sh- a stranger with no expectation in return. Um, those yeah. two things are all that Tad needed to figure out a very huge thing about himself. Um, while everyone else, yeah, everyone else, you need to like, you literally, you need to have your brain chemistry changed. And then your life doesn't actually fundamentally change in any real way. It's all the sort of like vampiric capturing of the beauty of the holiday season and of expressions in human emotion and generosity, charity and kindness and love. Um, 
what actually is meaning most meaningful is you know like well, you know you know i like i also liked that because he was never like a villain that yeah. whole plot it was a vi- everyone felt like a, vi- a real victim of their circumstances which i think is the way that holiday movies get away with all the stuff that they do but like you know it smooths out all of that by giving people a chance to like you know do something different the villains are usually that maybe that's what's most u- most unique about this movie is that it didn't really like normally the ski lodge dad would be the explicit villain yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Like trying to keep them apart. You need to go be a big business, be a girl boss instead of a small business girl boss or whatever. Or, or but like, you know, like you need to marry that gay guy. <laughs> like, what, or, <laughs> like classic feudal marriage there. Yeah, like the 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 yeah uh, the arranged marriage between a woman and a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, you know, I know, I don't know. I guess. What do you guys think? I think the, I think that's interesting. I didn't thought about the sort of like, the villain is like, them. Everyone's inability to be who they are. I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, well, so I, I no. Oh, go, go on, on, John. Go on. Go on. You go first. Okay. Okay. I was. I. I just, I just want to talk about Ralph for a bit. Mm-hmm. I think Ralph is such a powerful character, right? Because they could have. There, 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 there is there is low hanging fruit with Ralph to be the country bumpkin, and and you play dueling banjos when he's on screen, right? And he's he's kind of the menacing, violent, homophobic character, you know, like archetype. But and, and Kyle, you're absolutely right. Like everybody else stays themselves except for Tad and Ralph. You know, like like T- Tad is like your your comically effete social media influencer, fashionista. Like, all of these homophobic things stacked on top of each other, counterpointed with Ralph, who's literally poaching, like, like the, the most alpha Chad woodsman you can theoretically dream up. And, like, they by, by the end of the movie, like, Tad, Tad is offering to help Ralph launch, like, a so, his own social media influencer career. They're sharing in each other's culture and in each other's, like, you know, societal background. And they've bonded over the fact that, like, Tad Tad is a twink power bottom and Ralph is very clearly like a bearer service top. Like there's a harness underneath his three jackets. We know this. <laughs> and like like the fact that those two were able to like connect under such arbitrary circumstances, right? That like it's very clear that Tad had to give up like, you know, how would how would how would the Tads of the world usually find someone? Through social media, through a dating app or yeah. something like that, through their social circles. How would the Ralphs of the world find someone? They might not. You know, both both of these two had to, as as John said in his beautiful Pracy, they, they had to give up parts of themselves. You know, like they had to become something new, something strange and and perhaps a little frightening to who they were before. Yeah, that how we're ourselves are revealed in the sort of oh, poetry yeah. of circumstance. And it's about embracing it's about taking risk and embracing parts of yourself when they when the world reveals it to you is when you get again permission you know all of a sudden you have permission to sort of you know be someone that you think you're not but maybe is closer to who you actually yeah. are and then that'll change and then like you know and you know but like you know all of a sudden you're being a person instead of being whatever this other thing is and and with with tad too like 
you know, like 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 the 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 scene the scene where like so so Tad Tad and Ralph are venturing through the snow to make it back to society, and like you know Tad is exhausted and he can't tweet, so he's gonna die. I mean, he's a true he a true up. poster, a true poster, a Relatable, true poster. Right, yeah, <laughs> he has the poster's soul, which means if you can't if you can't get it on social media, you might as well be dead. <laughs> um, and then like so so he just he just kind of falls down in the snow and he's like, let me die. And it's played off comically, but there's some gravitas to it still. And then Ralph is like, no, I can carry you. And Tad is like, won't you sink in the snow? And Ralph is like, nah, big feet. And then like Tad's reaction is like his eyes light up like a child at Christmas. And he's like, ooh, big feet. <laughs> and like we, we in the audience know what that means. But I think like they played off as a joke. But there's something like so oddly powerful about that. That, that Tad is perhaps for the first time in his life giving himself the freedom to like be be wholly into this libidinal desire he's otherwise had to deny or repress or shield himself okay. from. And now in the woods with a with a the, the, the a, a character who I thought was going to be like a magical Santa Claus bum, like mm-hmm. it can, can just find himself like that. It's, it's just I don't know. It's lovely, lovely little Christmas thing. In it's there. Al- it's also yes. the only point in the film that there is any possibility of something close to like erotic or sexual desire. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. because because Lindsay Lohan and uh, regular human name Cord Overstreet <laughs> have 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 the have the sexual chemistry of two people sitting next to each other in an airport departure Starbucks yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. of assist of of two assistant managers <laughs> yep like <laughs> they, they have the appropriate hey, sexual know, attention know. assistant managers could get up to some wild shit I don't know. <laughs> but like these these well, two like have they- the most sexless marriage in existence right you just know that that's that to be true yes well, and like, like they they hammer this home on so many levels, right? Like, like chord chord guitar hero already <laughs> has children, right? Which which lets lets us the viewer know that their love is pure and chaste and free from these libidinal juices. And and on top of that, like it's just a business merger. Yeah. It's just the big hotel chain merging yep. with with a niche Airbnb yeah, setup. It's a, it's a merger and acquisition. Me- meanwhile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Tad Tad is having a a very homoerotic, very broke back adventure, like like which is expressly libidinal, which is like so barely beneath the surface of the film. It's fascinating. Yeah. That's why children children don't have mothers in these movies, not just because like they need to a, a vacuum for like the main female lead to fill and to sort of like celebrate the motherhood of the people who are watching the film but because like children are like the death of like the 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 sexual thing has died and it's good so now we just have this little ghost of the of the actual sexed like subject or even object um the actual sexed thing is only spectral and is haunted by your the like the like child ghost of your dead wife basically your child yeah. is <laughs> she's too like god bless that child actor who was really bringing it and who but like you know 
no child smiles that much. That's a child ghost. Um, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Right. And everyone can see yeah, her. That's my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> <laughs> She's so nice. It's fine. It's not a big deal. She's very nice. <laughs> but no, you're completely, you're completely right. You can't admit of the sexual relationship, right? Because not only not only does it underscore what's absent it underscores the disruptive generative possibility of the sexual relationship right yes because mm-hmm. it, it's inherently unstable you literally have to like go out into the woods to meet the mountain man mm-hmm. who is the only one in town who fucks <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> ralph is the only person in that entire town who fucks oh, absolutely that's why that's why they sent him to live in the woods yes <laughs> Yeah, he he contains the forbidden urges, <laughs> and he must go live in a cabin. By he must ice fish in a cabin. Yeah, he's by like himself, the, which ironically is one of my forbidden urges. <laughs> the 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 ma- the, ma- the gayest the masculine urge to go ice fish. <laughs> like, yeah, he's again like that that to me and see to me and that's just, that's why you know the the sort of persistence of the heterosexual discourses are the e- always easily combated by their inverse because mm-hmm. like the people like to me that's the gayest thing that you could do yeah. so the the straighter you try and be the gayer you become to me there's nothing and there's nothing you can do about it Oh, ab- absolutely! It, it's it's so just clearly in the text of this movie. Like like John, you 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 are absolutely correct. Like they, they like Lindsay Lohan's character Sierra cannot have any sexual desire. She cannot be sexually present in this movie. To make her sexually present would be to acknowledge a libidinal presence, which which would either immediately collapse into like, is she pegging Cord over Street, or is this a reproduction of patriarchal domination, or is pegging a reproduction of patriarchal domination? How is that folding out? But like to be gay is to be outside of the heteronormative discourse of this film. And therefore allows it to be libidinal. It's free. It's like the only thing in the movie that's like even remotely alive. Everything else in the movie is so subservient to, to this broader ideological aim. I I don't I don't want to detract from the excellent point you just made, but the sentence Lindsay Lohan pegging Cordova Street <laughs> has 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 basically now meant that has now occupied so much of my brain space I will never learn another language. Um, like, <laughs> awaken my Manchurian candidates. Our time has come. There is one more. There is we, one we, more element. We, oh, go on, there go is on. one more element to this film, which I am. I I I do want to talk about, which is the uh, the hilarious and quote unquote relatable outtakes. Um, and I I. I'm obsessed with them because none of them are recognizably what we might call a joke. Um, (laughs) But they all, all of these films include them and they include them for the express purpose of drawing attention to the film's own ideological construction. Uh, And it's like, hey, look, we know, we know, but it's fine because we're, it's like, that's what the satire is. You go where you go, oh, I know what I'm doing. And I've pointed out that that's what I'm doing, but I've still done it. And I've done it sincerely. (laughs) Um, and I'm just, I'm curious, what do you, what do you, what do you both think about that? Well, I think, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I I mean, I, I, one of the most interesting things for me is how this situates itself into Lindsay Lohan's career, right? As, as a very, like, this is 100% 
kind of like blocking out the last like almost two decades of Lohan's career and kind of trying to like resurrect a, a post Mean Girls Lohan. And it's it's got mm. references back to her older work. It's very much like Lindsay Lohan sings a lot in this movie. Like Lindsay Lohan, the vocalist, is back, is alive and well in the context of this film. And I, I think it's 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 kind of it's a little bit haunting to me. You, you, you know, like it's not it's uh, not to be too weirdly metacritical of like because uh, Lindsay Lohan has signed a multiple movie deal with Netflix and we have to see what the rest of these films bring. This one could just be the warm up. Mm-hmm. But in a way, like. Uh, there's there's always kind of a somber note to Christmas. We've talked a lot about, I think, kind of the joyous elements of Christmas, the community, the family, the, the ability to give without demanding something be given back. But there's also like, a, a, I think, a depressive quality to the holiday season, right? There's a lot of people stranded. There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of economic hardship that comes with Christmas. There's a, there, there's a kind of pained element to it. And to watch Lohan reproduce something she was doing two decades ago another like is is this the the liberation from what the industry did to Lindsay lohan or is this just another dance to their tune it's interesting i think about like the soundtrack right like how like there's 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 the jingle bell rock tribute um uh chord over highway does a <laughs> A, a version of every everybody loves christmas and then um <laughs> i believe uh lindsay lowen's sister has a song in the soundtrack as well um and it's all in this like i think i just honestly i think you're right i think i think it's this sort of like it's a it's a it's this kind of like weird synthetic renaissance for like, which you know, you know, she's, she's, Lindsay Lohan is a thirty-six-year-old woman. L- Lindsay Lohan is the exact same age as my sister, so to be talking yeah. about comebacks and renaissances and stuff shows what like being a fucking uh, childhood act, child actor does for you. The next movie, uh, by the way, um, that's supposed to be coming out is called Irish Wish. Oh Which Jesus a, Christ! Um, <laughs> oh, so it's the reunification of Ireland, yeah, it's, a victory it, for Sinn Fein after it, all these years. Yeah, this is going to be. The, we have one Irish. Yeah, the, yeah, the one, the one island wish. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, yeah, I, I got a wish. I got a wish about Ireland. Yeah, the, the, I, the, I post, cannot, the poster is just Lohan in a balaclava. <laughs> Lohan Lohan somberly singing Kinky Boots is going to be the highlight of that film Yeah 100% (laughs) When the love of her life gets engaged To her best friend Maddie Played by Lohan Puts her feelings aside to be a bridesmaid at their wedding In Ireland Days before the pair are set to many A new political conflict (laughs) (laughs) A car bomb (laughs) Oh Jesus Christ Maddie makes a Oh man okay so the next movie is about A woman who makes a spontaneous wish For true love And wakes up as the It's another body switching movie What? No, no. She wakes up as the no. bride. No, 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 no. No. With her dream seeming to come true, Maddie soon realizes that her real soulmate is someone else entirely. It's more fucking. But it's what is with Lindsay? She, like, 
this lit lit lizzie come on horror vanguard please what is what is going on why am i dreaming this in like another like it like is this the or is the work of my dreams making these movies <laughs> Like, like, but they're real because like, other people like have Lindsay seen Lohan them. is the the avatar, the totem of kind of like a postmodern capitalist simulacra sub- subjectification, right? Or we we are not who we are, right? This is this is the this is the the great existential condition of contemporary capitalist modernity, right? This idea of like the the constant need to display a certain performance of being. In this sort of post-ironic, uh, post-modern, hyper-mediated landscape, means that we are yeah. constantly thrown out of ourselves. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, Lindsay Lohan is the voice of this generation. I mean, <laughs> it's true. It's it, true. It, <laughs> like, what, what? What other explanation is there to be to be nobody but the onus to on the onus on you to be everything mm-hmm. and like nothing all at the same time if that's not like capitalist postmodernity then i legitimately then everything that i've written over the past 3 years has been for fucking nothing <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like the the body switch or the becoming someone else or the fluidity of subjectivity yet the sort of fleeting the fleeting true non-subject versus the sort of performed subject of capitalist modernity, the joy, the performative joy, which is, I will still say is just fat to me. It's just fascism, but happy, but I got to be happy yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, like, uh, is really. Okay. So I know who killed me is getting its third is getting, <laughs> is getting another film. The I Know Who Killed Me universe is getting I'm its third so film. I am so excited to talk about the Easter Rising and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> How is that the next one they're doing? What? How is it in Ireland? What How? in the world is this? I get so happy sometimes. Sometimes I re- I love movies, man. I love I love watching movies. It's like, great. Scorsese was right. This is true cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I did, how how in the world are these movies just this wildly compelling? I I don't. I mean, well the rom, the rom com thing like they're those universes like they're not they don't it's not they don't ascribe to like their own fake rules right? It's all vibes based. So oh, it's yeah. like if if someone wants to you know you know wake up and switch like people switch bodies all the time. There's a secret twin. There's like, and like it's it's all in the the language of romantic comedies and of the holiday film like are perhaps the only way to really do this outside of horror and it has a like, you know you can you can get weirder shit in front of more people by literally just writing a Hallmark movie and cast and casting uh um, uh what's her name from Full House she does a lot of those movies. Or uh, yeah, by adapting, you know, a story from Marilyn Baxter Bernie or whatever <laughs> the Hallmark lady's name is, like, like you can, people can wake up and not be the same person 
people can disappear all of a sudden and without a trace and no one knows what happens to them. And then they appear all of a sudden as a different person. And then there's this whole story that somehow in the 21st century, no one knew about. There's no satellite phones on this mountain. Instead, Lindsay Lohan is trapped in a. There's two. There's literally two places. Yeah, she's in, she's imprisoned three just pl- down the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just on the other side. Just go that way. And <laughs> if you really wanted to find this person, you would have found this person. You know. But you know, like I, I don't know. It's like the rom com and the horror sort of link has always been. The kind of thing like you know i mean like i guess i i i've seen these kind of movies with my mother who god bless her no one will like i was the only one who ever watched movies with her because no one ever wa- wants to watch the movies that, and i'm like yeah i'll watch it i'll watch anything literally literally anything um and that's how and i was already really into horror but i'm like oh no i gotta watch the weird movie about acapella groups because it's like this is this is fascism i can't explain why yet but i'll get there like you know, like <laughs> i don't know the, the, the rom communism is important and needs to exist. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, Ash, any final thoughts? I'm I'm in I'm in a state of delirious shock right now. What what was my name again? Was that was I a podcaster or an heiress to a ski lodge? Uh, I'm having some difficulties here, but I am finding this rustic mountain man oddly attractive. I, this is. I am save so, me. I'm I'm so glad we did this. I am so gl- I'm so glad yeah. we did this. I am very much feeling the love and I hope I hope all of our friends, all of our listeners and comrades are doing the same thing. Thank you so much for joining us for the special seasonal edition of Rom Communism. We hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.